Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Duty Talk. I'm your host, Janice Tunnell, for today, Sunday, December 12th. Thank you guys for tuning in. We have a great Q&A um, show planned for tonight, but just wanted to um, remind you guys, if you have questions of your own or any kind of comment, you can give us a call at 914-803-4399. Again, that number is 914-803-4399. Um, just wanted to remind you guys, I know I've announced this several times before, but the ISSE Salon and Spa Expo will take place in Long Beach, California, January 29th through the 31st of 2022. And um, just want to let you guys know that you can go out there now, if you haven't already, to uh, purchase your tickets, and one of the best places to do so would be at probeauty.org. That's probeauty.org. Now I'm going to turn it over to Ms. Denise. Good evening, everyone. Thank you guys for joining us tonight on Beauty Talks. We're going to forego uh, any more beauty news. We're going to save that all for next week's uh, beauty news show. Um, we promise it's going to be a good one, so stay tuned for that and be ready to join us uh next Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, we will um, be prepared for a great show next week. But tonight, join us tonight. We will be hanging out on Twitter for a tweet chat during the show using the hashtag beauty talk. And you can find us. We are at 
beauty underscore talk. Again, that's at beauty underscore talk, and we will be using the hashtag beauty talk. But after tonight's show, uh, feel free to stick around on Twitter. We will be hanging out on Twitter spaces. If you're not familiar with Twitter spaces, you can follow them at Twitter spaces on Twitter and find out more information on spaces and how you can have a conversation with us um, to follow up on tonight's Beauty Talk show. We will be following up um, uh, tonight's show there. So join us and um, all of our friends who check us out on Sunday night for um, a great follow-up conversation. But also just want to remind everybody, on Twitter we are beauty underscore talk. So if you yes. go follow us on that page, you will see when we are, you know, when we're going live. But tonight we'll be going live um, just a few minutes after 10. Um, enough time for us to get off of this and jump on over there. So we'll be going live on there. We did it for the first time last Sunday night. It was a um, great conversation. It was fun. It was the first time we had ever done that. Um, I'm not sure how long Twitter's faces has been around, not that long, but that was the first time that we actually did a live conversation, so we'll be back again. Okay, so we'll be back again um, tonight. Um, Thanks to Megan, who tuned in to Beauty Talk last night, and then she jumped over on Spaces, and then we had um, Margina Dennis, and there was another young lady, and I'm trying to remember her name, but she jumped on as well. So um, that was great, and um, we had a great conversation. Um, I think we kind of ended it when we did, only because we had such an early call time. Um, So this time we have nowhere to go tomorrow, so we'll be on um, for at least an hour for sure. All right, but without any further ado, I just want to get started with tonight's conversation. We've had a lot of, we receive a lot of questions, and so we decided that we would kind of share some of those questions tonight and just kind of dive in with answering them. For those of you, again, who are listening, if you have questions of your own, please um, either call in at 914-803-4399, or you can also um you know, send us an email at beautygirlsmedia at gmail.com. Or, again, like my sister said, you can um, ask your question on Twitter. All right? So one of the questions that we received talked a lot about um, what you need to have in your kit um, as a makeup artist. Now, some people do just bridal makeup. Some people um work film and television, some commercials and photo shoots and advertising campaigns and that kind of thing. Um, I, The way I would answer this question is basically would be with some products that I think that every kit should have, no matter what area of, of makeup you're working in. I think every kit should have, number one, and it's no particular order, but number one is tattoo covers. Um, there's a lot of times that you may be doing a wedding and they want their tattoos covered. There's sometimes you're doing a wedding and they don't want it at all. But I really believe that tattoo cover is so important for any kit, no matter what. 
Um, I also like to always have some kind of anti-shine type of product uh, for those who, you know, may make those people who are always, I don't want to say oily, but those people who are always shining. And I also think if it's not an anti-shine type of product, to use some type of primer that addresses, um, that addresses shine or oil. A cream color palette, something that you can get several uses out of. For example, something that you could use as eyeshadow. You could also use it as blush, and you could also use it um, on the lips. But I would be very careful with that because just making sure that this particular palette can be used on all three areas. Because I know that there are some cream products out there that, you know, you can use it on your eyes, you could use it as blush, but you can't use it on the lips. So I'm speaking of a palette of some sort that where you can use, uh, where it has various colors, and you could use it in all three places. Um, and I just think about, like, when you, sometimes you may forget products um, or, you know, maybe don't have something. I feel like when you have those types of products in your kit, those types of palettes, rather, in your kit, you can always kind of, you know, make do. You know, you always have something that can, you could turn it into three products, um, which is always good to have. Um, also, I think a natural color eyeshadow palette is very important. Um, you know, especially like when you're doing corporate work, like corporate videos, um, sometimes when you're doing like commercials, having a natural eye palette I think is very important um, because when all else fails, I would rather have something natural than coming in with all your like beauty and fashion colors that's not going to make sense to certain mediums that you work in. So always having a natural um, color eye palette at all times. I think Ben Nye makes a really, really good one. Um, Viseart makes a really, really good one. And when it comes to film and television work, the natural colored eyeshadow palettes work very well when you're doing period work. And then just an overall multicolored lip palette, I think, and I think Anastasia has a really nice one, um, something where you, you have various colors and then also you can mix colors and make your own shades. I think that is very important versus, you know, carrying around a bunch of, um, a bunch of individual lipsticks. I think that works out really well when you have a nice palette that has lots of colors and you can mix colors. Um, also, just taking your lipsticks, your individual lipsticks, and melting them down into a palette works out really well, I think. I think something like that in your kit where you can have various, various shades but not so many loose individual products works out well. It's always important to have lip colors that you can, you know, kind of use on all skin tones and various colors. Now, those are just some of my, like, my, my top five, I think, that any kit, no matter if you're doing beauty, if you're doing bridal, if you're doing film and TV, I think every kit should have those, um, 
have those products. Nice. Now it's funny. It's funny um, to hear you give your list because now here's my list. Some some similarities, but a couple couple of different things. Uh, so for me, I, um, foundation palette is very important. It has a range of skin tones. Even if you had to have two different foundation palettes, that's fine. But just so that you have a range that you can do anybody, or you can you know have a palette where you can at least mix um, mix colors to get um, to match everybody's skin tones. So that's important. Lip palettes, of course, like you just said. Um, you mentioned Anastasia. Uh, Danessa Myricks has a couple of really good lip palettes. Um, yeah. That work very that work very well. You know, you can easily drop them in your set bag or an actor bag or whatever. You know, um, they're small enough, compact enough that you're not carrying around um, a bunch of loose lipsticks. You know, and, and it's not necessarily making your kit or your bags heavy. So that's why I, I like the whole idea of just different palettes. Another thing that I found over the years that's very important, um, not just for your kit, but like for your set bags. Um, Eye drops, various different eye drops. Mm. Um, very uh, rewetting drops, drops for redness, drops for you know itchy eyes, um, all of those types of things. You know, years ago, I know most actors got used to um, using uh, this French eye drops that are called blue drops that are um, no longer legal in the U.S. But drops that work. Just as well as blue drops, you can get Clear Eyes. To me, Clear Eyes is one of the best eye drop brands on the market. Um, they do the job. Um, Visine, I feel like they do the job for the moment, and then you need more. It's like you're constantly needing more, constantly needing more. I think Clear Eyes, I prefer them. I think they're a little bit better than Visine. Um, if you have red eyes, you have itchy eyes, you use them, and I feel like it takes care of the situation. So it's important to have eye drops, not just eye drops, but again, I mentioned re-wetting drops. If you just if you don't have any condition like red eyes or anything like that, but just dry eyes, some re-wetting drops are really good because they don't really have much of anything in them. And then um, also taking into consideration drops for people who wear contact lenses. So it's good to carry mm-hmm. just like a small cosmetics bag um, with various eye drops in them. A good set of brushes, always important to have um, in your kit, always, always, always. I love Royal Langnickel and their um, their brands of brushes, their Omnia collection. They have an Omnia Pro collection. Um, you know, some of them are definitely reasonably reasonably priced brushes. Uh, very good quality vegan brushes, um, so you can check those out. Um, but there are tons of different brush um, brush lines that you can choose from um, with some really good brushes. But definitely having a good set of brushes, your eye drops, your lip palettes, foundation palettes. And then one other thing that I think is very important, because you mentioned um, like a, a colored wheel. The one thing I had uh, written down was a bruise wheel. I think it's important mm-hmm. to have a bruise wheel, especially, you know, when you're doing film and television, it's always important to have something that you can do some quick effects, like on the go. You know, if you're on set mm-hmm. and let's just say, you know, there's nothing in the script that calls for any type of 
bruising or scarring or scratches or anything like that, but yet the director at the last minute changes his mind and he wants something, he wants a black eye, then you should be able to do a black eye really quickly without having to go back to the hair and makeup trailer or hair and makeup room or without having to take the actor away from set to do it. You should be able to pull that out of your kit, out of your set bag, and do that black eye right there. So it's always important to have um, like a bruise wheel. And even if you can have like two different bruise wheels, that's fine because they're all very small and it doesn't take up much room in your bag. And so, again, like I said, mm-hmm. it's great for film and TV. It's also great for like music video stuff, editorial stuff, because think about it. It's a bruise wheel. It's color. It's just pigment. And <laughs> you may need to use some of those colors and lip colors like you were saying uh, earlier, like a multi-purpose type of um, cream type palette, you know, you may need to use mm-hmm. it for cream eyeshadow or just some cream color around the eye, um, whatever. Again, like I said, it's, it's very useful for editorial as well. And for me, I think Ben Nye makes a great uh, bruise wheel. So, but, you know, they have a couple of different ones. So that's definitely a brand to look into for that. Um and I think that's it for my kit essentials. I mean, there's so much more that I can add to that list, um, I think, but I think those are um, some pretty good top fives. I mean, there, <laughs> there's tons of stuff mm-hmm. more. Um, you know, it just it's, I think it depends on where you're working. If you're just doing, like, a photo shoot or you're doing a bride or something like that, then, yes, you don't have to bring everything that you have. But if you're, like, in film and TV and you're setting up on a hair and makeup trailer, yes, bring everything that you have. And these are just a few things that can be in your kit at your station. Um, but then also in your um, in your um, set bag, you know, there's tons of things that you can carry in your set bag. Also, like, uh, various different sponges, you know, regular latex or non-latex uh, sponges for applying foundation cream mm-hmm. blush, um, for doing touch-ups on set, for, you know, using it for concealer. Also, if, you know, if you get into doing, like I said, if you have to do a black eye at the last minute and all you have is like a, you know, a non-latex wedge, you know, you can break that wedge and, and pull pieces of the wedge out of it so that it's textured, and you can use that for, like, you know, making um, making your, doing your bruises, um, having stipple sponges, uh, the black coarse ones, uh, you have a medium one and a, a large one and a fine one. You know, you can use those mm-hmm. also for, for, like, making scratches, things like that. A lot of things that, you know, you can use a lot of those minute. You know, again, like I said, you don't have to run back anywhere to get stuff or to take somebody back somewhere to do it. You can kind of do it right there on the spot. So those are my mm-hmm. kind of quick, quick tips for things like that. And, you know, you mentioned um, makeup brushes, and Mm -hmm. um, I just remember, like, years ago, you know, like, there's a lot of artists out there who, you know, feel like, and this is no disrespect to anyone, not judging anyone, but um, there was a lot of, um, you know, I, I would see a lot of makeup artists who would buy, like, they would only buy MAC brushes, or they would only buy, you know, like, some well known popular brands' brushes. Um, they wouldn't buy, let's just say you were talking, just talking about, um, 
you know, Royal Langnickel brushes. Like they wouldn't buy Royal Langnickel brushes. They would buy, you know, only Mac, only, um, like I've seen some people who would like to have a whole set of Chanel brushes and things like that. And I just wanted to make mention that just because it's Mac or just because it's Chanel or Dior or, you know, whoever, doesn't mean that the brushes are really good. So you just have to really be careful with that um, because you could be spending loads and loads of money and the brushes are not as great as you think. So it's really something where you really have to, like, you know, I wouldn't go out there and buy, you know, a whole full set of Chanel brushes if I'm going to buy one, just buy one play around with it, use it, clean it often, you know, do different things um, to determine, okay, is this worth the investment? You know, like I always say, uh, you know, and I always say, like, for instance, I always use my best brushes when I'm working with, for instance, because I do film and TV mainly, I'm always using my best brushes when I'm working with talent um, you know, when I'm working with talent. But I may, I may use some of my brushes that um, that I have gotten, I don't know, like maybe, the, maybe some ones that are a little cheaper in cost. I may use those when I'm working with background. Um, right. You know what I mean? And not to say that those people aren't special, but – most of the stuff that you're doing with them is so quick, you know, that you don't have to go pull out your best set of brushes or even your best makeup. I've right. had, you know, I've had actors, you know, when I, when you pulled out, like, you know, some of your best brushes, you know, they say, like, you use it on them and they say, oh, thank you. You know, like, I really love these brushes. I've had male actors say that. Um so, I mean, I'm just saying just kind of pick and choose, um, but just kind of don't spend all your money buying, you know, popular uh, popular brands, brushes, until like maybe after you've just tested out one or two. Um, and then you made a comment about trying to remember. Oh, I, I have a comment based on something you were saying. I was thinking about, and I cannot think of her name, but there's a makeup artist that I met in a class years ago. She was actually teaching the class years ago, and she's out of Florida, but she um, she had worked a lot in Los Angeles, and she was saying that, you know, when she was out in L.A. working, I don't know if it was a movie or something that she was working on, but, you know, she was working with a, with another makeup artist. And um, one of the actors or somebody asked for something in particular, and the, the makeup artist didn't have it. And so this particular um, woman that I'm speaking of, she wasn't the lead makeup artist, but whenever the actor asked for something, she would just go dig in her kit and she would pull, pull up whatever it is that they needed. So they, um, I forgot what he said. What she said, they called. They started to call her because she was all. She always had every single thing. Now I'm not trying to say carry a whole bunch of stuff in your kit, 
and that's the only that's the reason why I was talking a lot about pallets and being able to downsize, but yet still have everything that you need. But it is good when you be when you are the artist that has everything. So if somebody's looking like you were saying eye drops for eye drops, you know, have have various eye drops um, for different things. Like you were saying, itchy, watery eyes, um, you know, red eyes for different things. You know, have it for different things. Some people can't use certain things. Same thing like with lip balms. Some people can't use lip balms that have certain ingredients in them. You know, so, you know, in your kit, try to have various amounts. I mean, I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying go out and buy everything, but, you know, have a couple of options just in case someone is allergic to something else. We we have to remember, like, when we're putting things in our kit to not only have just what we like, we have to think about, um, you know, having various options um, for different types of people. Right. Um, but those were, yeah, those are some of the things that, I think are very important to uh, to have. Another question that we received um, was about resumes. You know, what should your resume have? Um, so I just thought, I sat and I thought about some of the things that, you know, your resume should have, but also some of the things that your resume shouldn't have. Um, do you, do you um, did you think about that question? I did. I did. I thought about that a little bit. One of the things um, that I feel like your resume should not have is your home address um, on there. That's right. Like there's no, there's no reason for anyone to um, to have to know where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, interview, interviews are done in person. Interviews are done online. You know, if you get hired for a job, there's no reason for someone to mail you anything. Everything's done through email. So it's no reason to put your home address on your resume. That's something personal and should remain private Um, because it could be very dangerous, you know, putting your your resume out there. All you need Uh, is your phone number and your email address. That's it. That's mm-hmm. all you need. That's all you need. So that was one thing. Yeah. Uh, I do believe in, if you're working in film and TV, I do believe in um, including, uh, you know, include everything. Don't be, like if you worked, let's say, you know, one or two days on a movie, you know, but you, you had no major position, but you work as an additional makeup person, Put that on your resume. That's, that shows that you have experience, you know, that shows that you have experience. So put that on your resume. I feel like um, your resume in film and television should always include the name of the project, um, the production company, and, like, who the director was, and then your position. So, for instance, um, for instance, let's see. Atlanta. Uh, let's just take, yeah, let's just take, okay, let's take Atlanta. So then I will say Atlanta, you know, seasons, the way I would have it listed on my resume is seasons one through four, um, seasons one through four, um, minimum production and makeup department head. I'm sorry, minimum production, um, 
directed by Hiro Mirai and Donald Glover, and then I would say makeup department head. So that includes the name of the, the title of the production, the production company, the directors, and then um, uh, my the title. title. Mm-hmm. And to to kind of further support what you're saying, um, that's what you're saying you should put on your resume. But I also want to make the point that um, when it comes to your job, don't put on your resume jobs or titles and positions that you did not do. So, for instance, you were saying um, if you worked two or three days on, let's just say Atlanta, if you worked two or three days on Atlanta, you know, and you worked as an additional, you could put additional makeup artists or you could just put just put makeup artists, but don't put key or department head because you didn't work in those positions. And I say that because that has that's been done before. People have, you know, there's been people who have done that. So make sure you put exactly your position, not someone else's position, because Absolutely. You, you cannot be the department head if Denise just sat here and stated that she was department head for seasons one through four. So, right. you know what I'm saying? You can't do that. So just make sure that you don't put a job or position or title that you didn't have on your resume. That would be a big no-no. And, and here's another thing. You think if you that you could lie about what job you worked on or what um, title you had, trust me and believe me when I say you will be found out. Because oh, when absolutely. you go on an interview, you know, you go on an interview with a producer or a director or um, somebody else's production, these people know each other. Just like makeup artists know each other and makeup artists know a bunch of hairstylists and things like that, producers, directors, they all know each other. Most of the time when they sit and they look at your credits on your resume, nine times out of ten, they may be friends with a producer who worked on that show or they know the director personally that worked on another show. There's been times when I've been right. in interviews and they've looked at my resume and they said, oh, you worked with so-and-so. So right. they know. And they can easily check that to find out if you really worked somewhere. So that stuff is easy to find right. out. So it, it does not help you um, to put the wrong information um, down on your resume. So that's one of the things I was going to say do not do. Um, another thing and, you know, I guess you can decide if this is important to you or not, but I don't think it's important or necessary to put your social media media handles on your resume. No, I don't think so. I don't think that's important. To be honest with you, people can find you just simply by your name. Mm-hmm. And, 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 not, and I think there's something you brought up once before when we were kind of discussing this. You were saying that, you know, every – uh, makeup artists should have a website, and social mm-hmm. media is not your website. And so I think um, I don't think it's necessary. Now, if you want to put your website, so, so on your resume, when we were talking about, put your phone number and your email address. 
if you want to put your website up there, you can, of course, put your website there because that may just link somebody back to um, maybe if they wanted to see what your, you know, see some of your work. So that's fine to put your website there. And then on your website, that's where they can find all your social media handles. I don't think it's necessary to take up space putting that kind of stuff on there. Um, Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, there was another thing I wanted to mention. You just, I think you just kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, and, you know, and it's not that it's unprofessional. It's not that it's unprofessional to have, um, to use social media or to use social media to show your work. That's not un- being unprofessional. But I think as a professional makeup artist, makeup artists should have websites. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah. At some point, you know, maybe not when you first start out, you know, but maybe once you begin to have a collection of work, you know, at some point I do believe that as well. I mean, mine need to be updated terribly, but, you know, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> and, only yeah, reason, and I think the reason why, I think the reason why I feel like it's important that makeup artists have websites now is because back when we first started, it was all about the portfolio, you know, and it didn't matter, it didn't matter what kind of job you had. Most people, if they wanted to see your work, for instance, like in film and TV, if they wanted to see your work, they would ask for your portfolio or for you to, you know, like show some pictures. In film and TV though, back in the day, they weren't asking for pictures of your work. It was right. more so about that it was more so about that resume. Like I said, they could fact check if they needed to. Um, it was about your references, which is something I'll talk about in a second. But it was more so about those things. I think it's only because of social media that it's really become a little popular now um, where people are beginning to want to see your work. Um, and now that's why I feel like makeup artists should have websites. I think also um, some years back when when producers started wanting to see your portfolio or your website, I think also at that time it was a lot of music video um, directors starting to do film. And I know a lot of them want to see your pictures because that's what they that's what they were requiring back in the music video world. So I think when that started to happen a little bit along with social media, now that's why anything goes now. So in film and TV, you may very well have somebody say, um, I want to see, you know, what's your website? I want to see your work. Whereas right. before, they, that's not what they were looking for. Right. You know, so I think it's important now that makeup artists have it no matter what you do so that, you know, people have somewhere to go. Um, there's a lot of people who use, for instance, Instagram as their so-called website or port for where they want to show their work. Um, personally, that's that's up to you, but I don't necessarily like to use that for showing my work. 
And, and, you know, and just because, like, a lot of film and television artists, we sign NDAs. A lot of the stuff, the pictures that we possibly have, a lot of that stuff we don't need, we can't even show until the actual film or television project has been released. Right. And so, I mean, to me, <laughs> by the time it's released, most of the time a year later or close to a year later, I'm like, that's old news. Right. So you know, I may post I may post a picture here and there, but you know, like if now if I'm posting to kind of like as some in some ways help promote the show, um, and and I'm promote and I'm posting it. Say for instance, if it's a television show, then I'm only posting it after that episode has aired. You know, if it's a movie, then I can just once the movie is released, then I can just let all the pictures go out at one time if if that's what I wanted to do. But um, you know. It's, it's there's a lag, you know. There's it's not all current when you start putting that stuff out there because that's just how it is in film and TV. Um, you know, you go on a photo shoot, you most of the time people are posting behind the scenes or pics of the model, pics of the actor or whatever that they took with their cell phone before the the real photos are even released, like in the magazine and stuff. So it's just really different, but. I think it is very, very important um, for makeup artists to have a resume. And then I mentioned references. Um, like my sister and I had talked about this yesterday when we were thinking about this question, and we were talking about references saying, like, you should on your resume put, you know, references upon request instead of don't use, don't use this, that space to, to put all your references on there because, you know, you don't, I mean, if you have about three or four pages of work and that's how long your resume is, okay, fine. But I don't wouldn't want to make it even longer putting your references on there. So And not just that, but the but but sorry, not just that, but your reference may not want their numbers floating around like that. You know what I mean? Because just think about how many people you actually give a resume to. You know, the, the the production will ask for a resume. You send the resume over. They will print it out. They'll make copies for the producer. They'll make copies for the director. You know, they make copies for all these people. And then sometimes when you go in to interview, you know, they want a copy of your resume again. So it's like you're printing out more copies of this resume, and yet you have people's phone numbers, personal phone numbers, on, you know, on this resume, and you don't know where those resumes are going to end up. Sometimes they toss them in recycle. Sometimes they toss them in the trash. So you don't know where those um, phone numbers and, and all that personal information will end up. So it's best to just say it references available upon request. So just create your own um, separate reference list, um, mm-hmm. you know, so that you can, when they ask for them, then you provide a separate a separate you know, page, a separate paper um, for them mm-hmm. to have references. And then also if you decide you're going to do list all of your clients, that needs to be a separate list as well. Um, right. That should, not, that should not go on your resume. And honestly, um, for the most part, you really don't see people list their clients um, when it comes to their res. Like when you're – actually sitting in front of somebody and they want to see an actual physical resume, um, you're not necessarily giving them a client list. Um, Most of the time you will see a client list on a website. You know, you'll see Mm -hmm. a client list on a website. 
I just know from past experiences in film and TV, um, if anybody wanted to know in an interview some of the people that I've worked with, then I can just rattle off some names, but it's really no need to have a, a separate list that you can email or, or, or actually print out and give to someone when it comes to the clients. You know, that's something that you right. can put on your, on your website, what have you. Um, but, you know, and I would not put my references on my website. It's just something separate that, that you would give them once they ask for it. Right, like create the file, save it on your hard drive, mm-hmm. and then when they ask yep. for it, yeah. And I wanted, to like mention one other th- I wanted to mention one other thing. I know I mentioned about, like, how I, you know, list things on my resume. One thing that you shouldn't do is list the project and then list the celebrity that was involved in the project, and that's it. Like, you know, don't try to make yourself sound like you're such a big deal by saying, okay, I worked on this project, and these are the celebrities that are that was in the project. If you're going to list celebrities, list the celebrities that you did, not just celebrities that are in the project. You don't need to list all that. List the celebrity that you did if you're going to go that far. But I don't feel like that's even necessary because people know the – producers know the project and they know who was in it. And they could easily ask you, well, who did you do? And what you really want to do is make sure you're listing all the details you can about what you did. So, again, when I list Atlanta and I list the production company and I list uh, the directors and then I list my position by saying makeup department head, producers know what comes with being a makeup department head or being a key makeup artist. They know what comes with that. If I say I'm an additional makeup artist, they know what pretty much what that responsibility is. They know the difference between an additional makeup artist and a makeup department head or an additional makeup artist and a key makeup artist. So make sure you put your title so that will take care of giving the details of what you do and what you did on that project. Don't get so caught up in who was on the project because, again, if producers know the project, they'll know who worked on it. If they don't know the project, they can go to IMDb, and they'll, they'll find out everything they need to know about that. But just make sure you talk about your resume is about um, your skills, what qualifies you to do the job that you do. So make sure your, rep, your resume represents you and the work that you can do. Don't put something on your resume like, you know, specialize in special effects and you've never even done any effects, don't put anything like that on your resume because if you haven't done it and you can't, can't do it, don't put it there. That may be a skill you want to learn later. Well, wait till you learn it before you put it down there. Yeah, and, and so. let me, I kind of want to piggyback on two points. Um, you know, when you're first starting out and you don't have a whole lot of experience, Some people often want to know, well, what do I put on a resume? And basically, you know, again, like we said, your name, your phone number, and your email, but also you can kind of just tell, you know, what types of work you're you're looking for, you know, as well as listing your educational background. Like, you know, are you a licensed esthetician or licensed in makeup um, for, for those 
states who still do that. Um, you know, um, maybe you got certified in airbrush makeup or, you know, you can list those things because, you know, being able to do airbrush makeup is a great skill to, to have. Not everyone does it. So, you know, your certifications and your education on there. If, if you don't have a lot of jobs, list that kind of thing on there. Um, if you've only done one job, then go ahead on and list that. Um, you know, list those, list those kind of things. Don't be afraid, again, to just, you know, list them one by one. Each When you do it, list it on there. It's okay that your resume doesn't have a lot. Nine times out of ten, people who are just starting out in makeup, no one's really asking you for your resume. Most of the time you're just, you know, just trying to work just to build. Um, so, you know, just put whatever you have on there until it, yeah, because you most, know, becomes, becomes something. Most people... Most people who are hiring you know the le- your level of expertise, so they're not hiring hiring you for those positions that's going to require your resume. Right. And then I know earlier we, uh, you know, I mentioned not putting jobs or positions or titles that you didn't do on your resume, but I do know of a situation of a makeup artist who her pretty much her whole resume was stolen from another makeup artist. And they pretty much put down on their resume that they pretty much did. It was almost like her resume word for word. She just took that girl's name off, put her name and number, you know, et cetera, on there. And Mm -hmm. I think um, what happened was the real person – went to do an interview for, you know, like this really great job opportunity. And the person that she sat down with, now mind you, back in the day, you know, people did a lot of in-person stuff. You know, you go to whoever, take your book and your resume, that type of thing. So she's sitting in front of this man, who she's, like, interviewing with, and when she handed over her resume and they're talking, everything's going great, everything's fine, he looks at the resume and he's looking and he's looking, and it was like of someone else that he talked to. And so now he's looking Mm -hmm. at her like she's crazy, but she's not the crazy one. The one who actually copied her resume is the crazy one. So... Mm -hmm. Things just you know, just be aware. Things like that do happen. And he, I think he wound up telling her, you know, well, so and so's resume, and that's how she found out that the person stole her resume. And if I'm not mistaken, they both were like, I don't know if they both were like signed to the same agency or something. And, you know, it was all kind of mixed up in that. And this person who stole it pretty much didn't really have a resume like this other person's resume. She didn't have a book like her book. Um, And she, you know, pretty much took everything. So 
just be aware of that happening. It does happen. And like I said, you would always be found out. So, again, I just had to just thought about that as we were talking, and I remember her sharing the story. Um, But you just got to make sure that you are putting down honestly the work that you did. It's only going to, um, in the long run, help you. So you have to make sure that you're very honest about that. And, you know, I've seen so many people, and it's so sad, I don't want to dwell on it, but I see so I've seen so many makeup artists go out there and and create websites, and they've they've come on shows that we've worked on, that we've hired them on, and so when they're trying to build their uh, website, it's like they're trying to build their resume, and they're trying to put all of this stuff on it to make the website look like something. And my thing is. If you don't have a whole lot, so what? Start with what you have. And if and if you're trying to fill up the space on the website, then just do like a one-page situation. It doesn't have to be broken down into all these pages as if you have all this experience. Start where you are. I've seen I've seen makeup artists go out, pull down um, movie clips and all this stuff, put it on their website, and now it looks as if they were the makeup artist on that show. Right. And so when I say the makeup artist, it makes you makes them almost look like they were the ones who headed, headed up the show, like they were the department head or the key or something like that. And it's like right. the, wording that they, the wording that they use, you know, the, it's real tricky with the wording that's being used, and I see that a lot on social media as well, but the wording that's being used, and then now people looking like, oh, they, this person did this show, that person did this show. Well, you know good and well that person was not qualified for that. So, right. you know, it's just honesty is only going to help you in the end. That's all I can say. Absolutely. 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 Oh, I can say. So I, I have this one last one, and I'm just going to run through it quickly so we don't go over on our time. But um, there was one question about any tips for set etiquette, because I know a lot of people, when they start in, whether it's filming TV or they're, or they're doing, like, photo shoots or whatever, you know, they want tips on set etiquette, like what what should they do, what shouldn't they do. And this one is is always kind of tricky because you know people will have a difference of opinion on on whether they believe certain things. But I just feel like when you're the makeup artist and you're on set, whether you're at a photo shoot, especially with someone that's really popular or famous, or if you're you know doing a television show or, or a movie with somebody like that, you know don't be a groupie. Don't be a groupie. You're there providing a service as a makeup artist, whether you're doing Cardi B or whether you're doing some model off the street that you've never heard of. You're there as a makeup artist providing a service. It does not matter whose face you're touching. You need to provide the same service for Cardi B as you would this model that you don't know. 
So don't be a groupie. Don't sit around stalking them, wanting to take photos, and, and just being with them every second of the time that you're on set. You know, these people may be famous, they may be celebrities, but they're human beings. They need their space. So don't don't be a groupie. Um, you know, if you want to take a picture with them, wait until the job is over. Wait until the job is over, and then ask for a photo. Don't don't try to do photos while you're while you know they're there working. That's not the time or the place. Um, be very attentive and listen, and watch everything. Whoever the person is that's kind of running the show, whether you're filming TV and it's the first AD, listen to everything that they say so that you know what's going on. If you're working on a photo shoot, um, listen to the director or the producer of the shoot so that you know what's going on. Call sheet or something like that for the for the um, production. Read it. That call sheet will tell you everything that you need to know about what's supposed to happen that day. Read that call sheet. Pay attention to people who are talking. And another important thing is talking on set. You have to keep that to a minimum. Don't talk while while the cameras are rolling. Um, if it's film and television and actors are rehearsing, keep your mouth closed. If you want to talk, leave the set. Don't even try to whisper because some people whisper very loud. Don't even try to whisper. Just leave set. If you if you have to talk, just leave set. But while while actors are rehearsing, directors are talking to actors or directors are talking to first ADs or DPs are talking to electricians and things like that, they're trying to work, they're trying to get the job done because they have to get things done in a certain amount of time. But if, you know, people who are doing hair and makeup are sitting on the side and they're laughing loud and talking loud and everything like that, that's not going to help them, and that's not going to help you as far as your reputation. So keep if you have to talk, leave the set. I, I know sometimes it's going to be hard to leave the set in certain situations, so if you really have to talk, then leave the part of the set where people are working. Go to a different part of set where you're kind of isolated and away from all of that because they're trying to listen on the walkies. They're trying to listen to people who are talking to them face-to-face to get direction so that they can get things set up so that they can go on to the next shot. So just be very careful with um, talking. And I just wanted to make a quick comment before we leave about cell phones. Um, now, I know on set a lot of times we use our cell phones for so many different things for continuity, for for communicating within our department, for communicating with other departments. Um, you get work emails. It's just so many things. So a lot of times, you know, we're going to all have our phones in our hand. The issue that I'm having with cell phones is sometimes you have people um, that work that may, you know, they may be taking care of something personal. Um, they may have kids. Whatever the situation is with the cell phone and they have to get up and walk away um, to talk on the phone, the problem that I have is a lot of times when people get up to walk away, they do exactly that. They get up and they walk away. I I feel like we need people to just say, hey, go to their department head or, or the next person in charge and just say, hey, I need to step away to take a call. You know what I mean? And then at least 
your department knows where you are, at least when they're calling for, like, last looks or they need something from the makeup department, you know where that person is. So now we know, okay, it's a five-person team. We're all here on set. One person gets up to step away to take a call. They went and they told you that they needed to step away. They stepped away. So now when, when all hands need to be on deck, we know that we're down one man. You know what I'm saying? So I just feel like people need to just not just get up and go, but they need to be telling somebody that they're stepping away to talk on the phone. You know, right. there's been times when people would be on the phone, sitting outside on the phone for a very long time, and no one knows where they are. So that's my issue with, with that kind of thing on set. But we can talk a little bit more about that if we guys want when we jump over on Twitter. Yeah. And just really quickly, too, um, if anyone's planning to join us over on Twitter Spaces, um, again, you can follow us at beauty underscore talk, and you can follow Twitter Spaces at Twitter Spaces. Um, but to join Spaces, you can only do so from your cell phone, not from mm-hmm. your uh, desktop, desktop or laptop, only from your cell phone, iOS and Android uh, um, both. But you can only do it from your cell phone. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, just in case if somebody tried to do it from their desktop or laptop and was having issues. So right now you can only yeah. do it from your cell phone. I wanted cool. to put that out there. All right. All right but I just and you can quickly say, I wanted to quickly say before we left, thank you um, to those of you who are listening tonight and for those who will listen on the playback, thank you so much. Thank you to our listeners all around the world. Uh, We thank you so much for your continued support. We greatly do appreciate it. And you can follow us on Twitter, like she said, at beauty underscore talk. On Instagram, we are beauty underscore talk underscore media. And you can follow both my sister and I on all social media platforms just by our names. Um, she is at Denise Tunnell, that's D-E-N-I-S-E-T-U-N-N-E-L-L, and I'm at Janice Tunnell, that's J-A-N-I-C-E-T-U-N-N-E-L-L. All right? Thank you guys again for tuning in tonight. We greatly appreciate it. Have a wonderful night, and have a beautiful and blessed week. Good night, everybody. Good night. Join us on Facebook.